Good morning. If that song service didn't uplift you, I don't know what will. That was beautiful. Before I get started this morning, as one of the few that was lucky enough to call Tex Granddad, I'd like to thank all of you for the prayers on our behalf. It means a lot. Not only uh, throughout his passing, but throughout his battle with Parkinson's, which lasted some eight or nine years. This congregation has faithfully prayed for him, and we would like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Our hearts were broken last week, but you helped put it back together, and we appreciate that. This morning, what I have been assigned to talk to you about, I'm going to talk about Granddad a lot in this. It's been on my heart. Sorry, I, that's just the way it's going to be. And when I mention Granddad, that's talking about text. But what, what I've been assigned to talk about today is the role of fellowship in a healthy church. You know, there's a lot of things fellowship means to everybody. It could be singing, it could be just hanging out, eating. It could be many different things. What the Webster's defines it as is friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. You know, I have a lot of interests. There's a lot of things I find very interesting. That not my wife doesn't necessarily find that way. So, I have to have other people that share that same interest. I start talking football, her eyes roll back in her head like she's going to die. So I have to find other people to share those interests with. But, the question I'm going to ask this morning is, why is fellowship important in God's church? Is it important that we partake in this fellowship? Is it important of who we allow in our circle? And why is it important that way? You know, there's many different answers you can give to this question. There's many different right answers you can give to this question. Why is it important to you? You know, fellowship may be important for a different reason to me than it is to you. There may be different things you get out of it than I get out of it. But I believe at the end of this sermon, I will faithfully tell you that we all get something out of it. No matter what it is, we get something from being with like-minded Christians. And it's not a false sense of security. I believe with all my heart we get something genuine out of it. You know, when we're born, we start off kind of like this slide. It's just blank. There's not a whole lot really going on. We got the basic instincts of eat, sleep, and that's basically it, and cry. If, if you don't understand, if you haven't had kids yet, really think about the crying part before you do that. You'll spend a lot of sleepless nights, I'm telling you. But it's our job to fill it. It's our job to fill our life. And what plays a small but important role in that is who we surround ourselves with. Who we surround ourselves with will affect us. The Bible teaches this, I believe, very plainly. If you look in Proverbs 27 and 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Your friend sharpens your countenance. You know, countenance is kind of a big word to me. I'm from Little Tom Bean, Texas. We don't use words like that. But what that means is a behavior that, that, that is, is affected by somebody's influence is the best definition I could come up with on that. It affects us. You may say, oh, it don't affect me at all. I can hang out with whoever I want to, and it doesn't affect me. 
You know, we all know 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. We hear it at every youth meeting. I mean, you can't go to a youth meeting without hearing this verse. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. The Bible tells us plain as day, who we are around affects us. You know, some six years ago, I was meeting in Gunner. And Lila had just been born, so it was probably a little bit less than six years ago now. And I made the decision we were going to meet here, make this our home congregation. And I went to my dad and my granddad, who were elders of the church in Gunner, and told them about my decision. Well, my dad, he didn't say a whole lot. Granddad sat there and thought quite a bit. He didn't say a whole lot without thinking it through. And he said, uh, Jeremy, now, you know if you go to this church, those people will have a good effect on you if, you if you allow it to happen. There's good, honest people that meet there. But then he told me the flip side of that. He goes, you're going to have an effect on them too. He says, I don't expect you to go out there and throw a monkey wrench in everything they work so hard to fix and tear it back down. And I thought about that hard. And you know what? It's right. I'm not the same man I was six years ago. It's had an effect on me. And hopefully I haven't teared too much down. Not to disappoint him. But it has an effect. That's why you hear of all these sports teams when they're going to sign a big free agent. Oh, he's got great talent, but his lo- he's a cancer in the locker room. His talent's up here, but we can't sign him because he'll just tear everything apart. It has an effect. Whether it's a good effect or a bad effect, it has an effect. You know, cause and effect was always something that I had a pretty good grasp on as a child. My dad told me, you did this and that caused me to do this. (laughs) And it wasn't always fun, but it had the effect he was looking for. It's cause and effect. The people I surround myself with affect me in a certain way. That's why when you hear people, I don't know how many of you know this, but my uncle was an alcoholic and eventually died from a drug overdose. But that's why when you hear about people trying to get out of that lifestyle, they tell them, you can't hang around with the same people you were hanging around with before. You can't allow them people in your circle. Because there's an effect. And it's not necessarily always going to be one you enjoy. So now that we know that there's an effect to who we surround ourselves with, why are some important reasons we should surround ourselves with God's people? Why is that important? You know, can't I uh, surround myself with just a good old boy network? Wouldn't that be okay? They're not really all that bad. They're just kind of good. Wouldn't that be okay? Well, let's find out what God's Word has to say about why it's important to surround yourself with God's people. Number one, you can get encouragement. You know, this week we've needed a lot of encouragement at our house. It's been rough. And we got it. If you look in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, if you look at exhorting one another, that's just a fancy word for encouraging. I'm going to encourage you to be here on Sunday morning. If I see you, I say, I'll see you at church on Sunday. That's just the way it is. I I try to encourage everyone, and I believe everyone here does the same thing. I felt it this week. We have encouragement. 
that we get from being with one another. Exhorting means to strongly encourage or urge. Not only am I encouraging you, I'm urging you along this way. We have many things that we could need encouragement from. You know, I lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got bills to pay and I don't know how I'm going to pay them. Sometimes just somebody giving you an encouraging word will help. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to start reading in verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you harden through the deceitfulness of sin. Do you, do you get encouragement on a daily basis from the people you hang your, that you surround yourself with? You ought to be. You ought to be encouraged by it. It shouldn't be an encouragement that leads you away from God. You know, there can be things that encourage you to go away from God. That's not the way it should be. So we can receive encouragement in our Christian walk. And sometimes you need it. Sometimes you just need it. And sometimes you'll be the one doing the encouraging. But if you're not surrounding yourself with the right kind of people, you're missing out. Because it's great. It's one of the best things that there is to being a member of God's family. Is to be surrounded by an encouraging group of people that love you and care for you. You know, we also get help in time of need. You know what? We've been going through a lot of that at our house too lately. We, we've been needing, we, we've had some needs. And luckily, Grandma has had all her needs met. Thank you very much for everybody that has prayed on her behalf and done anything to help her out. You know, just seeing you at the visitation or the funeral, you could just see the smile come on her face. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. A lot of times you hear this read at weddings like we were at yesterday. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe unto him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Through one, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Life's hard. Life has its ups and downs. Sometimes you're going along great, then something that will just come out of the blue and drop you to your knees. You know, Granddad, whenever he was diagnosed with the Parkinson's disease, the doctor that was treating him said, your heart's in such bad condition, you won't have to worry about this Parkinson's affecting you. And nine years later, he was in that room saying, man, you're one tough old man. And uh, my granddad goes, no, that's not the case. According to my Uncle Alan, what he said was, I have a lot of good people praying for me. I have a lot of good people to help me. I couldn't do it alone. You know, life's hard. It's those curveballs that will knock you off the plate. You know, Amber and I, before we had Braxton, were expecting a child. And uh, 
They went in and did the first sonogram and some things weren't looking exactly right. So they sent us home and they said, well, tomorrow we'll bring you in and we'll have you uh, do a stronger sonogram. And we went in. I'll tell you, the night before, I didn't get much sleep. (laughs) It was rough. And it ended up we had a miscarriage. You know what? I, I didn't see at the time how we would get through that. It was hard. But we had people to help us along the way. People to help us up. You know, you can apply this verse to marriage, but I believe it applies to every relationship you have. Is it the kind of relationship where they're going to pick you up when you fall? Pick you up when life beats you down? You know, through that help, God has blessed us with two wonderful children that I wouldn't change for the world. But at the time, I didn't see that coming. And it almost knocked me hills overhead. I mean, you could have knocked me over with a feather. And as you can see, that's not an easy task, but you could have done it. <clears throat> you know, in Galatians, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, Christ burdens when it would have been easier for him just to say, no, nah, I'm not going to deal with that. <laughs> do we do that for each other? I'll tell you, any time you talk to my granny, which was my dad's mom, she had some issues with the Church of Christ because of some things that were going on in the 50s. But one thing she always said, anytime that there's tragedy, you want to be a part of that church. Because they come together like no other. And I've seen that. I've been a part of that. And it's true. There's nothing like having somebody that can help you when you can't help yourself. There's nothing like it. There's nothing as peaceful as that. There's nothing that will bring peace to somebody saying, I know you can't do it, I'll help you out, let's do this together. You know, it reminds me of the poem, The Footprints in the Sand. It was talking about a man one night that was dreaming, and it was walking along the beach. And he said it was like it was his life before him. And he said there was two sets of prints everywhere, there was good times. But when the bad times came, there was one. And as they were walking, he said, Jesus, I thought you said you'd never forsake me. And he said, yeah, I said that. And he goes, then why in the times of my life that were toughest was there only one set of footprints? And the master looked at him and said, it's those times I carried you. Sometimes we need our brethren of like minds to carry us. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful thing. It's a promise God gave us. Don't be too proud to accept it. Because one day they're going to need you to carry them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 11, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. There's comfort. Are we comforting each other? Do we take comfort in one another during the bad times? Because the bad times are going to come. There's no way to get around the bad times. In Matthew chapter 7 and verses 24 through 28, he talks about two men that built a house. One built his house upon the sand and one built his house upon a rock. And it said, when the storms came... And the winds blew 
and beat upon the house that was on the sand, it fell and great was the fall of it. But it said when the storms came and the winds blew and beat upon the house that was built as a rock, it stood. You know what I find about that verse? It didn't say if the storms came. It said when the storms came. They're going to come. And you want yourself surrounded by the right people when they do come. You don't want to be surrounded by Job's friends that say curse God or his wife that said curse God and die. That's not the kind of people you want around you at that point. You want the people that will help carry you when you can't walk. In James 5 and 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. My granddad believed that. He said that to a doctor the week before he died. I believe that. You know, confess your trespasses one to another. You know, sometimes that's when I feel the lowest, when I've done something I know I shouldn't have done. Instead of trying to hide the fact that I did it, what I need to be doing is having somebody pray with me about it. Because that's a time of need just like the trials of this earth is a time of need. It's a time of need whenever you feel that way. And nobody's perfect, so we're all going to feel that way at one point or another. And we want to be surrounded by the right kind of people at that time. We all have the same goal. Is that true? I'll tell you what my goal is, and then you can decide if you got the same goal. My goal is to one day be at the heaven with the Father. That's what my goal is. And if we all have that same goal, we need to be with people that have that same goal. That can encourage us to that point. That won't let us stop when life gets hard. In Philippians 2, 1 and 4, 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort, love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Do we live our lives that way? Do we live our lives being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind? Or do you surround yourself with people that don't have those same goals? That don't have the same mindset you have? It's a lot easier to fall when you surround yourself around people that don't have that same mindset. And if you look at the bottom of that verse, don't only look out for yourself, but look out for others as well. You know, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes a man, you don't know what I'm going through and I got to look out for that guy too. You're telling me I got to worry about my own problems plus his? Yeah. Remember, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Life will not break you if you have Jesus and godly friends to help you. It won't happen. It can come close. It can feel like it's going to break you. It can feel like it won't be able to do anything else. 
I can't take any more. But you can. And you can finish the race which is set before you. But you have to be surrounded by people of like mind that want the same things you do. If you want to have a good time and party on this earth, I'm not the right person to hang around. Because that's just not going to happen. As I said, I've seen that tear my family apart on my dad's side. And it's just not going to happen with me. But if you want somebody to help you walk and try to get to heaven with you, that's who you, I'll help you do that. I may not be the best help in the world, but I'll do everything I can. It takes teamwork to reach goals. You know, as it said, two is better than one. I'm fixing to show my football nerd card here, so bear with me. It's the only way I can think of to really make this thing stick out. That's Dan Fouts, Fran Tarkenton, Warren Moon, and Dan Marino. These quarterbacks all have two things in common with each other. Number one, they're all in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So they were the best of the best at their quarterback position. There wasn't a whole lot better. The number two thing is they never reached the top prize. They didn't have the team to go with it. Dan Marino never had a running game or a defense. Fran Target didn't, didn't have any wide receivers or running backs. I can go with the list. Can, I can spend hours talking about these guys never won a Super Bowl. I'm not going to do that. But the reason I bring this up is because I believe God teaches the same principle. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the body of Christ actually being a human body. And you know, the body has to have everything work together or it's not right. You have to have the eyes. You have to have the ears. You have to have the feet. You know, my dad's granddad on his side, you don't, you don't think much of a little toe, but he was out, he was a lumberjack up in Arkansas cutting down trees. And he almost hit my dad with a tree one time and he told my dad, he goes, son, you're going to have to learn to get out of the way. You know that? Well, the next thing he knows, one of those logs rolls over on his little toe and cuts it off. He, he spent, a year and a half trying to learn how to walk again just because of a little toe. We need each other in this. I don't have the same talents you do. If it had just been me singing this morning, it wouldn't have been pretty. I'll tell you that right now. Everybody would have made a beeline for the back and just said, we had enough of this. But we all have different talents. And we can all learn something from each other. But the problem is if we're not together, it doesn't work. It does not work. What happens if you lose a hand? And it doesn't get reattached in time. The hand dies. And then the body's missing out. I can't do it without you. We can't do it without each other. In order to have a godly church, we need to like to be around each other. It needs to be something we look forward to. My favorite days are Sundays. Because that's the day I go home feeling the most encouraged, the most loved. And, you know, when I sat down and talked to my granddad that day about leaving to come here, <clears throat> I wasn't sure if any place but Gunner could be home. That's where my family's at. So that's where my heart's at. But I'll tell you today, I don't think there's any other place but Denton that can be home. And I thank you for that. The love you have shown me and my family. 
through this past six years and hopefully throughout the rest of my life here. We love you. We want you to be a part of this. And if I could leave you with one thing today, get connected. It's the most wonderful feeling you'll ever have. To know that the person next to you is struggling with the same things, but yet they're moving forward and can help you move forward. It's a narrow and tough road. You can't make it alone. We have to work as a team. We have to show that love one for another. Does that mean arguments aren't going to happen? No. But that means we all have that one goal, and that's getting to God's throne in glory. And that's going to overrule all. No matter what I have to do, that's what we're going to do. If you have that mind, I encourage you, get connected today. Don't wait. You know, when my granddad passed, my mom called me on Friday, I was fixing to go up and see him. She told me, no, you don't need to worry about that. She said, the doctor said he's not going to get any better, but there's no timetable on when he's going to get any worse. And I'm telling you, my friend, that's true of all of us. Because I got the call the next morning and he was gone. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. Tomorrow may not be here. But you can enjoy the riches that God gave you this morning with his, with your brothers and sisters and enjoy the love that they provide and enjoy the encouragement that they give. And that is a gift He gave to you. And it's something we were meant to enjoy. If we can help you, won't you come as we stand and sing?